This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We start with a taxi ride that turned into a police incident this morning. The passenger, a Coquitlam woman who says she called 911 for help when the driver wouldn't let her out of the vehicle. Ted Chernecki has more on what led up to the incident and how the company is responding tonight. This won't be a great start to the week for Carly Musgrave. She's running late, calls a Bel Air cab, and halfway to her workplace, realizes she's forgotten her wallet. I was like, okay, well, like, let me go in and I'll see if one of my coworkers will pay for my cab and I'll just pay them back later. He asks for her cell phone as collateral. She refuses to hand over a $1,000 phone for a $15 cab fare. She says as she's stepping out of the vehicle, the driver suddenly accelerates, making a left-hand U-turn with her partway on the right side of the taxi door is open my foot is on the ground um, like I could hear my foot scraping across the ground as he was pulling this u-turn um, and uh, so I asked him quite frantically to, to like stop the car because I was nearly falling out I felt like I was held against my will she says she doesn't know where he's going as he weaves through traffic. She calls 911. About 20 minutes later, she spots a Port Moody police car, but both doors and the windows in her taxi are locked. There was an existing motor vehicle accident at uh, Ioko and Guilford, and uh, there was police at the scene, so I was banging on the window, and I asked for their help. Bel Air would not offer anyone on camera, but in a statement, the assistant manager said, my recommendation to our drivers is to never make the customer feel unsafe. I don't think that is what happened in this case. Regardless, situations like this are best handled by dispatch. It needs to stop. Like, they need to have some sort of accountability for their drivers. They can't be treating people like that. They can't put people's lives at risk for $15. Port Moody Police did confirm they received a call from her. Musgrave says she can't wait for ride-sharing where payment is all done electronically and leaving your wallet at home isn't an issue. Tensionaki Global News. Day 18 of the transit strike has commuters facing more delays and disruptions, and one of the routes impacted today includes the very busy 99B line along Broadway. Our Grace Key is live with the latest from Commercial and Broadway. Grace, what's it looking like there tonight? Well, not bad here at this location, especially considering we are into the rush hour. Now, TransLink is saying that, yes, there were a higher number of cancellations on this route, but this also does, uh, does see a higher number of buses, so more frequency on this route as well. There were some added cancellations today, though, on the CBUS. The day started out with four C-Bus sailing cancellations, but by the afternoon, an alert came out announcing eight additional sailing cancellations that were unexpected. This is due to one of the staff members um, booking off. Um, we aren't able to replace that person with overtime due to the union's job actions. And booking off, you mean somebody called in sick? Well, um, I can't get into exactly why, but it's uh, somebody who was supposed to work that can't work now. 
In addition to mechanics, bus drivers will be refusing overtime on Monday, Wednesday and Friday. It's disrupting about 5 to 10 percent of the system. Not all passengers are feeling the impact. I saw the 99, like a few 99s get cancelled, so I, I left like 15 minutes earlier. Because like usually they're like five minutes, I think I just checked it was like seven minutes between each bus. I'll be real with you, I haven't really felt it personally. I haven't felt it that much. Vancouver and Port Coquitlam have been some of the harder hit areas, and there were a number of cancellations on the 99B line. That's one way we're mitigating some of this, is by pulling buses from routes that have really high frequency, like the B line. It's coming every two minutes, so if a bus is pulled from there and moved to a less frequent route, it just means that the B line passengers may have to wait an extra four minutes instead of two. There's no indication when the union and Coast Mountain could be back at the bargaining table and neither side seems to be budging on wages. They simply don't believe that uh, drivers should be compared to Toronto when they happily compare the CEO compensation to Toronto and they've given no real answer as to why skilled tradespeople who work under the TransLink system uh, with SkyTrain are made uh, making so much more. CNBC's wage proposal holds 6,000 extra annual salary dollars for operators once the deal is implemented and about 10,000 for our skilled trades workers. CNBC feels that's very generous. Um, it amounts to a settlement much higher than what other public sector employees are getting right now. So on Tuesday, there will be no bus driver overtime ban. So tomorrow you should be getting a little bit of a break if your route was affected. And of course, TransLake is advising passengers to sign up for their alert system just to check and see if your route will be impacted. Chris? Good advice right now. Okay, thanks, Grace. All right, let's bring in Keith Baldry in Victoria tonight. Keith, the government has said it's not going to get involved, at least not yet. But what mm -hmm. are the options for the labor minister? Yeah, there are a number of them at Harry Baines' disposal. A lot of people think, oh, the government's just going to uh, step in and end this thing with the imposed contract. We might get there eventually, but there's a number of things Harry Baines can do here, if he so chooses, uh, and it's spelled out in B.C.'s Labour Code. So here's uh, some, some of his options. First of all, he can appoint a mediator or what's called a special mediator, which has actually uh, special powers to compel testimony and such. He can ask the Labour Board to designate uh, essential service levels if uh, the, the uh, escalation becomes serious and routes... Uh, uh, disappear from service. He can also, and this is very unusual, but he can direct a vote be taken on the employer's last offer. Uh, he can also legislate a cooling off period. The cooling off period is not spelled out in the Labour Code. It would require special legislation, usually around 90 days. It's the traditional uh, period. And finally, the ultimate hammer, imposing a contract on the union here. But again, that's the last option. I caught up with Harry Baines, the Labour Minister, in his office today. He wants to make it very clear uh, intervening is the last option. But he knows full well that the parties involved knows he does have the power to invoke a number of options. You want to uh, give opportunity to parties to, to negotiate. That's what we call a free collective bargaining. And I think uh, any sense, any, any uh, even a hint of intervention uh, is a disincentive to, uh, to, to bargaining. So I think uh, the best thing is to leave them alone and uh, encourage them to bargain. So leave them alone for now. I think with the current levels of job action, I don't see this government intervening or even Harry Baines invoking one of those options. If things become more serious, though, Sophie, look for the government to get involved much more uh, emphatically than it has been up until now. And in terms of uh, imposing a contract, I think we're still a long ways from that. All right. Thanks for that. Keith Baldry in Victoria tonight. B.C. tabled new legislation today aimed at easing the frustrations of drivers fed up with feeling ripped off at the pump. The fuel price transparency legislation follows an investigation that found substantial, unexplainable markups in the province's gasoline market. 
Richard Zussman has more on when the driving public should have the transparency they want. It is a constant reminder of unaffordability. But the B.C. government is hoping legislation introduced on Monday will help lower this number. The legislation, if passed, will require oil and gas companies to provide crucial information to the provincial government. That information includes details around supply, imports, as well as how they create the price of gas. What it does is begins the process uh, through a public transparency uh, of getting a window into how prices are set. We hope, but we're not necessarily expecting, uh, that uh, sunlight being the best detergent, that that may have a, an impact upon the way in which prices are set. The province says they have taken these steps after a report was done by the BC Utilities Commission that found that there was a 10 to 13 cent gap between what oil companies can explain are their prices and what is actually charged at the pump. Bruce Rolston, the minister responsible, is hoping that by these companies being required to provide information, they will figure out why this gap exists. And if they can't get to that solution, they may have to take additional steps to ensure more affordability for drivers. So it's, it's premature to, uh, I think, to say uh, that we will intervene in the market. Uh, um, we're, we're concerned about that unexplained 13 cent gap. It hasn't been explained. So we're hoping that through this process we'll get an explanation. But experts say they aren't convinced that this measure will actually address affordability. And the gas prices will continue to be the highest here in British Columbia compared to anywhere else in the country. It is the latest step for a B.C. government desperate to show British Columbians they're trying to do something about prices. They are expecting to start having the data in a few months' time. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. The Westminster Police are investigating a report of gunshots. It happened in a residential neighborhood just off 2nd Street and Osborne Avenue last night. Police say the suspect took off before officers arrived, but they believe it was a targeted and isolated incident. The last couple of years, they've had a, uh, a renter there, and they've had a lot of problems, uh, domestic disturbances, and they've had, uh, we, we suspect, drug dealing there. So it's been kind of a, a sore point in the neighborhood. We're seeing some of the most violent and dramatic demonstrations in almost six months of anti-government protests in Hong Kong. It's prompting UBC to urge its exchange students studying abroad to leave the city. University campuses have turned into battlegrounds. Aaron MacArthur has more on the warning. Armed conflict on the streets of Hong Kong. Police firing tear gas at groups of protesters who responded with Molotov cocktails. The violence in Hong Kong suddenly taking a dramatic turn for the worse. To support our uh, young people and they protect us, they protest the democracy. Daytime didn't bring any peace to the streets. Students barricaded inside Hong Kong Polytechnic University preparing for an all-out assault. Any weapon well used in a Polytechnic University 
which has become a weapon factory without a doubt. This is a murderous act. On Friday, UBC warning its 32 students in Hong Kong on exchange to leave immediately. Safety listed as the primary concern. In a statement, UBC says 11 of the 32 students in Hong Kong have already left the territory. The remaining 21 are safe and all of them accounted for. As students made a run for it behind umbrellas and scraps of debris, police continued to fire non-lethal rounds. There were hundreds of arrests. Experts say the only way this will de-escalate is if the government is willing to back down first. If the government is willing to set up a, um, a commission, it might be seen as a loss of face, but it will do a lot of good. The universities are the focus of the violence now. Other protesters are joining the cause, catching dozens of B.C. students in the crossfire. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Sentencing today for a man who pleaded guilty in connection with the Teddy the Dog case. A warning, some of the pictures in this story are hard to look at. In 2018, Teddy was found starving with neck lacerations. His head was two to three times its normal size because of infection and swelling. Teddy's owner, Anderson Joe, pleaded guilty to willfully permitting unnecessary pain, suffering or injury to a dog. Today, he received a three-month suspended sentence and a lifetime ban on owning pets. A second person is due in court at a later date. Right now, though, thieves caught on camera not once but twice in less than a week, busting down the door of an outdoor equipment shop in Mission. The damage is substantial, and as Jill Bennett reports, the lack of discretion shown by the thieves has the owner wondering why no one called police. Security video of the first break-in shows thieves using sledgehammers to smash the front door at Prospect Equipment in Mission. They then run into the store, their faces covered, and start stealing about $13,000 worth of equipment. A number of generators, water pumps, chainsaws. Once they were in the store, the alarms sounded, alerting the security company. But the company then called the store before calling Deisner at home. Once I realized what was happening, I was the one that actually wound up phoning 911. But the thieves were long gone, taking off in a stolen truck. Deisner fixed the door and restocked the shelves, only to be hit again this past Friday, less than one week after the first break-in. That is when they actually chained on to the uh, doorway and uh, they were able to literally take it right out of the framework of the building. This time they did come with bolt cutters and uh, they were able to snip many of the cables for the generators and, uh, and so on, and so they were able to get away with a lot more this time. Deisner is convinced it's the same group in both the videos, with a fourth person added in the second break-in. He wonders why no one alerted police while the crimes were happening, as vehicles can be seen driving by in the security video. Everybody's got cell phones these days. You phone 911 and say, if nothing else, might be worth having a look. There's a vehicle with three guys in a parking lot in front of a store, right in front of the front door. I think there's something kind of sketchy going on down, so why don't you come down and at least have a look. This is our, uh, our new entranceway, at least for the time being. Deisner lost about $45,000 worth of equipment in both early morning robberies. He's now increasing security at the store, trying to make sure he doesn't get hit a third time. Jill Bennett, Global News.
It sounds wild, and it is a bobcat sighting recorded by Port Moody resident Billy Cerceris yesterday afternoon. The bobcat strolled along Heritage Mountain Boulevard before eventually heading back into the woods. There have been other bobcat sightings in the area, so you're advised to keep an eye on your pets. Or an ear out. Yeah, they <laughs> sound, sound. sound funny, don't they? All right, a BC family watches their Ford pickup truck burn up in the driveway. Our Consumer Matters reporter Andrew is here with a story of a recall repair they say went wrong. What's the story? Well, it is an ongoing issue. This has been going on for almost a year now. Thanks, mm -hmm. Chris. According to Transport Canada, Ford has recalled over 446,000 F-Series pickup trucks in Canada with engine block heaters because of their potential to catch fire. Transport Canada also tells us it's aware of four F-Series trucks that have caught fire due to a faulty engine block heater. That was the case with a poor Coquitlam family. Not only was their truck destroyed by flames, but there was damage to their property. And they say Ford Canada's lack of response in covering that property damage is only making matters worse. You make sure we live it every time you're out here because you, you remember what happened. Frightening memories that take Tony Dorvald and her family back to the day when their 2016 Ford F-150 went up in flames. It just was engulfed. It was like huge. It took, we, we, the neighbor was actually worried about catching their car on fire on across the, right on the other side of the fence. Back in February 2019, Mike Dorvalt and his wife Tony had a recall for door latch repairs on their truck. When they took the vehicle in, Mike says there was another recall for the block heater because of the potential to catch fire. The recall covers certain F-150s from 2015 to 2019 model years, as well as F-250, 350, 450 and 550 manufactured between 2017 to 2019. Mike says the dealership checked over the vehicle but did not replace the block heater. Instead, service notes indicate the engine block heater wire assembly was inspected, passed and greased. And you'd think that they'd do the recall of replacing the block heater re and re, but what they did is they ended up just servicing it and passing it and saying that it's good to go. But 10 days later when Mike plugged in the block heater on a cold February night, a shocking turn of events unfolded in the driveway. About 10 to 11 I got home. And uh, just came in from work and about to sit down and relax. And daughter says, Daddy, Daddy, your truck's on fire. The truck was destroyed. An origin and cause report done for ICBC concluded heat and flame patterns, witness observations, and the evidence found were all indicative of the fire originating due to a failure within the block heater's splice cable connection. We just got it serviced. Like, why is it, why is it catching on fire when we did our you know, due diligence? While the door vaults eventually got their truck replaced through their insurance, they say they suffered approximately $10,000 in property damage to their driveway and fence. So when they came to uh, remove the truck, they actually had to scrape it off the asphalt because it was actually glued to the asphalt. For 10 months now, Ford Canada has not offered to pay for those repairs. The door vaults say they won't make a claim under their home insurance for fear their premiums will climb. Consumer Matters reached out to Ford Canada on behalf of the door vaults multiple times and were told, we have put the door vaults in contact with the person handling their case and have apologized for the delay in our response. It's horrible because you feel like you've done something, but you haven't done anything. Like, the only thing you're trying to do is get stuff, you know, that's been damaged, fixed. But almost a year later, they are still waiting and hoping to receive compensation from Ford Canada for their damaged property. We feel that we've been getting like, like a sheet thrown over our head and just carry on.
And at last word, there was still no action from Fort Canada to help the door vaults with their property damage. And just to add here, of those 446,000 plus vehicles in Canada that were affected by the engine block heater recall, more than 230,000 of them are now subject to a second recall. Transport Canada says it's because the connectors on the engine block heater cable may have inadvertently been damaged during the first recall campaign service procedure. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. Thanks. All right. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Ben. A huge avalanche comes down in the Italian Alps, northeast of Milan, cutting off an entire village from the rest of the world. Rescue crews and heavy equipment were called in to dig out the town. No one was hurt, but more than 900 residents were stranded in houses and on their farms. Schools were closed and eight homes were evacuated. Forecasters say more snow is on the way. For the first time tonight, we're seeing the rescue of a Texas girl who was kidnapped in broad daylight. The abduction captured on a doorbell camera. Tonight, the release of the police body camera recording as officers storm a motel room and save the terrified eight-year-old. The desperate search led police to this Fort Worth hotel room. Then, once inside, hidden under a pile of clothes. Got her. We got her. We got her. The eight-year-old girl, held captive by this man, Michael Webb, now serving a life sentence for kidnapping. We have her. She had been missing for eight excruciating hours. Her mother calling 911. Snatched off the street in broad daylight while walking with her mom. All of it captured on a doorbell camera. Police put out an amber alert and a tip led officers to the same hotel earlier. But in a tearful confession, Webb admitted he hid the girl in a laundry basket and threatened her to keep quiet. I told her that if she said anything, that I would do something to her parents. And if I was in jail, I would have my friends to do it. But police return. You're going to be okay. Oftentimes, that is not what happens. You absolutely can hear that in the video. They are so happy to have gotten her back alive. And miraculously, back home. Blaine Alexander, NBC News. In Health Matters tonight, a troubling new Canadian study links increasing obesity among young adults with increasing cancer rates. The University of Calgary research says rates of breast, colorectal, pancreatic, endometrial and kidney cancers have been increasing since 1971. That includes cancers not normally found in young adults. The study says obesity is a risk factor for all of these cancers and the increase parallels the growing prevalence of obesity in recent decades. The trend is particularly worrisome because young people are ineligible for most cancer screening programs. A new study has reassuring news for people worried that cholesterol-lowering drugs called statins might be linked to memory loss in seniors. 
Australian researchers followed more than a thousand older adults for six years. Not only did they find that statins did not increase the decline in memory loss, but in fact, heart disease patients who started taking statins during their study had a slower rate of memory decline. A new major study confirms the vaccine against human papillomavirus, or HPV, is safe. U.S. researchers reviewed three years of data and found no new or unexpected problems linked to the vaccine. 97% of the reported side effects were minor, including headaches, dizziness, fainting, and irritation at the injection site. Another recent study shows the vaccine can prevent more than 90% of HPV-related cancers. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Whoa! That's actually a tornado. Sure is. A small tornado seemingly appears out of nowhere in Christchurch, New Zealand, tearing roof panels off a building and sending them flying. Two people went to hospital with moderate injuries. New Zealand typically gets fewer than 10 tornadoes a year. And check this out in northern Australia. Slow-mo video as a farmer unleashes an avalanche of hailstones caught in huge nets used to protect crops from severe weather. Parts of Queensland are cleaning up from baseball-sized hailstones that pounded the region, causing tens of millions of dollars in damage. Hailstones so large they could have been deadly had anyone been caught in the storm, but luckily no one was seriously hurt. The end of an era in Vancouver radio. My body is telling me, my mind is telling me, although my ego uh, wants to keep going. My ego is telling me no. A well-known voice prepares to sign off for the last time. That's right after the forecast. But, uh, such a great voice. John McComb, mm -hmm. can't wait to uh, celebrate yeah. as he goes into retirement. But uh, right now, let's check the weather. Yvonne Shell is in for Christy tonight. And uh, yeah, the rain came back late this afternoon, <laughs> hey? Yeah, a nice break. We're just in between systems, but the good news is we've got some sunshine, dry conditions coming up in the next few days, and I'll show you more in just a moment. We do have rainfall. We can see it under the airport in easterly wind, light at 7 kilometers per hour. But this morning, when we did see the break, we had a beautiful sunrise that was captured by Debbie in Chilliwack. Thank you for that great shot in West Kelowna, taken by John. So thank you so much. With the Pineapple Express that we saw over the weekend, we had a significant amount of rain, but we also had some temperature records, over a dozen of them, and I wanted to show you a few of them out of the airport yesterday, getting closer to 16 degrees, 15 for Merritt, Campbell River, and Prince George into the double digits. So it's been warm. We'll have one more warm day tomorrow, and it is going to cool off with the clear skies and those numbers coming up in just a moment. Most of the moisture is towards the south, along the south coast. If you're traveling in the mountain passes, though, we do have some snowfall tonight and for tomorrow morning. It is going to ease off quite quickly along the southern half of the province and it's sunshine a clearing on the way for tomorrow tuesday but it'll be late in the day across the interior rainfall amounts little five and up to ten for most areas the further south you are is where we'll see higher amounts it's the snowfall the concern will be along the connector five and up to ten centimeters in the kootenai pass ranging between 10 and 15 this is tonight and then the snow easing off by tomorrow morning 
much drier and some sunny breaks even by the afternoon. Coastal sections tomorrow will see a nice break for the northern half, central interior with the partly cloudy sky. Southern interior will see rainfall for the morning, easing off by the afternoon, dry conditions, and the south coast. It should be a dry start, but we are looking at some cloud cover. A clearing on the way, fantastic. The plan so far, Wednesday onwards, sunshine, but keep in mind, overnight lows with the clear skies will be cool, hovering the freezing mark, but fantastic over the next three and potentially four days. Tonight's weather window was captured last night in Agassiz from Brandon. A spectacular shot. Guys? Lovely. Thank you very much, Yvonne. Mm -hmm. Well, BC Radio is losing a very recognizable voice. As CKNW host John McComb announced today, he's about to sign off for the last time. McComb is hanging up the microphone after 36 years at the station. Ted Field reports. It's the union that's that's bailed out. Like he has done for years, John McComb going over issues of the day with his producer and getting ready for over four hours of live radio. But today he made his own news. I'm retiring on Friday, December the 13th. He's known for being outspoken, especially on issues of mental health, and that was pivotal in his decision. I felt completely and totally exhausted, as, as exhausted as I've ever felt. And uh, I was going to kind of shrug it off, but I uh, decided to go and see my doctor. So I did. Doctor said, you know, you're in perfect health physically, but these hours, getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning to go and do a radio show, are starting to wear you out. John has been in the radio business since he was 17. He was a CKNW reporter in 1983 when John and yours truly covered big news like an Ocala prison riot. His life really changed when he joined Philip Till on The World Today. We just had a, absolute masses of fun doing The World Today. Don't worry, Go. the show has been saved. Oh God! Yes, he has the great voice. Unfortunately, he doesn't have a British accent. Otherwise, he would have been quite a success. CKNW News Talk 980. Over a decade ago, John tried to get answers on why we pay more for gas. Does this sound familiar? We haven't been able to get an answer from anyone as to what's causing Vancouver prices in particular to be 15 cents a litre, 20 cents a litre higher than any other city in Canada. Sadly, it's still a mystery for crying out loud. I think um, it's his integrity that really sums it all up with him. I mean, Johnny McComb is one of those chaps where what you see, what you hear is what you get. John thinks he has a book in him and a podcast sounds appealing. But first, my biggest reason is I just want to sleep in. I love doing that. I love talking into microphones, but it's just the hours have become uh, too much for, for me to deal with. Ted Field, Global News. Hear you on that, John. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt about it. We've all done shifts like that yeah. and they can wear you down. It's amazing that he has done it for but as we'll long as he has. But oh, we'll miss we'll be you ever. on the air. He's Although he's staying with the Chorus family, so. That's right, CKNW yeah. Pledge Fund Day is coming up in a couple of weeks, so he's mm. around for that. Just before we get to Squire, a pair of sibling Leaf fans, internet sensations because of this selfie moment. Their team was getting hammered by the Penguins on Saturday, but in true social media style, when the camera came on, it was all smiles. And then back to sadness. My DMs on Instagram, on Facebook, on Snapchat, even on Reddit, like on sites I haven't even been on before, like my phone is exploding. Ten seconds later, I got a call from my friend, you were on TV, and I'm like... 
No way. But when your team that you love, you adore, I bleed blue and white, when they're down 6-1, I'm gonna be sad. <laughs> Clearly. Well, then there's Benny the ice skating golden lab wowing the crowd during the second intermission of the Calgary-Vegas game on Sunday. He glided across the ice with a special pair of skates on his front paws and a hockey stick in his mouth, the highlight of his appearance, jumping over a small fence without missing a step. There he goes. He's been practicing that for more than a year. Be hard for me to do that. Super on dogs on yeah, ice capades. Super dogs on ice. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's talk a little Canucks. They aren't playing tonight, uh, but I want to talk about them anyways. But wait for it. Wait for it. If the uh, playoffs... Look! You know what? Nice. Not all clothes in the 90s are terrible. <laughs> it's not acid wash jeans. It's the old uniforms on Saturday. They should bring those back more often. Okay. If the playoffs started today, the Vancouver Canucks would be in. But they aren't starting today. We still have about four and a half months to go until the playoffs. So after that great October, the Canucks have come back to earth a bit this month, or back to earth a lot this month. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons has been their goals against. They have gone up. In fact, they are allowing right now in the month of October 3.2 goals per game, third most in the NHL. In October, they allowed only more than three goals in one game. That was against Washington. They allowed only two and a half goals per game in all of October. You see the difference. Now things get really tough. Six-game road trip starts tomorrow in Dallas, Nashville, Washington, Philly, Pittsburgh, and Edmonton. A lot of former Canucks in this game, Michael Delzato and the Ducks in Washington. Richard, don't panic. Scores the first goal. 50 seconds in, that makes it 1-0 for the Capitals, who just keep on rolling despite that loss to Montreal on Friday. I've said it a million times. How is Ovechkin this open on power plays? Someone should just be near him the entire time. That made it 2-0. Now here's a weird goal. Chandler Stevenson is scoring while guys are fighting behind the net. They're fighting because Brendan Leipzig, a former Canuck, throws that check and then another former Canuck, Erica Branson, starts punching him. But the whistle hadn't gone. So while these guys are doing this, the Capitals are scoring. And it's 5-2 now and that's the final Washington wins over Anaheim. As we have seen over the years, Alex Ovechkin isn't just a big scorer. You saw him score tonight. He's big, period, and he uses his size. Last Friday, he ran over Montreal's Jonathan Druin, who today underwent wrist surgery and is out indefinitely. Now, apparently, the wrist injury didn't have anything to do with this hit, but I want to show it anyways, if you haven't seen it already. This is what happens when you run into the freight train named Alex Ovechkin. He just is huge. Now, he does kind of leave his feet a bit yeah. there on that check. No penalty, though. But after they asked him about the check, and Ovechkin said, this is hockey. It's not ballet. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. That is true. Uh, Corey Schneider went from the Canucks goalie of the future to the goalie who replaced Martin Brodeur in New Jersey. But today, he was put on waivers by the Devils and is off to the minors. Schneider was one of the best young goalies in the NHL. Had a couple of very good years with the Canucks from 2010 to 2012, make that. Traded for a draft pick, which became Bo Horvat. Had some very good years in New Jersey, but injuries, especially to his hip, seem to have taken his game away, and now he's in the American Hockey League. Davis Cup Finals this week. Canada's team up against Italy today. Vasek Pospisil of Vancouver had to step in for Felix Auger-Aliassime, who has a sore ankle. And Pospisil was playing... 
Fabio Fognini, the number 12 player in the world, but Pospisil came through with a singles victory for Canada, 7-6, 7-5. Then it was Denis Shapovalov's turn up against Mario Berrettini. This one went three sets, but Shapovalov also for the home and native land, picking up a win. They lost the doubles match, but Canada won the overall match here 2-1. They'll play the Americans tomorrow. One of the most popular former NHL players is a guy not many knew when he actually played in the NHL. Paul Bissonnette's social media stardom outdoes anything he had when he was a tough guy for the Coyotes and the Penguins. Scored only seven goals in 202 NHL games. And it's his popularity on the social media sites that the Vancouver Warriors would like to use to help them to get better known. Hence, a semi-serious tryout offer from the Warriors to Bissonnette has a lot of people talking. It's a phone call that's awakened the lacrosse community to the power of social media. Hello. Is this Paul Bissonnette? This is. It's uh, Dan Richardson from the Vancouver Warriors. How are you? It's who? Dan Richardson, GM of the Vancouver Warriors Lacrosse Club. Paul Bissonnette, or Biz Nasty as he's known from his NHL playing days, has a massive following on Twitter. Over 1.1 million and counting see his daily thoughts, including the Vancouver Warriors, who decided to call Biz Nasty out when he took a few shots at Canada's other favorite national game. I say Paul Bissonnette, and you say? Opportunity. <laughs> he's, uh, you know, he uh, put it out there on uh, social media that he thought he could uh, play our game, so we took him up on that. We tracked him down, and uh, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty confident in my abilities to play a professional sport. I play in the National Hockey League, which is basically lacrosse on skates, which forces you to be a little bit more coordinated than just lacrosse itself. Two-time ECHL All-Star, buddy. Have you ever played lacrosse? Uh, I mean, like I've picked up a racket before and, and, and passed it around a little bit. I mean, I haven't played organized lacrosse. We, we call it a stick. Yeah, lacrosse stick. Sorry, my bad, all right? Split, splitting hairs here, buddy. Yes, we're ready to get started. When it comes to marketing the game, the Warriors are thinking outside of the box here. Does anybody actually believe Bissonnette is going to make the Warriors? Of course not. But as publicity stunts go, this just might go down as one of the best Vancouver and the entire lacrosse world has witnessed. BizNasty's social media platform is the exact target audience the Warriors are trying to reach. And if you think they're way off the mark here... Their video is pushing 380,000 views. We're also uh, in the entertainment business. And uh, so we, we will do whatever it takes to get the people in the door to see our product. And hopefully they like what's on the floor and the entertainment that's provided at, at uh, Rogers Arena. Paul Bissonnette, professional lacrosse player. Has <laughs> that ever got a ring to it? Okay, so after Kyle Busch won the uh, NASCAR championship, driving the world's fastest bag of M&Ms, he put his son Brexton in the car and took him for a little ride around the track. Four-year-old Brexton. Yeah, he's all Dad won and happy to get a ride in the car. Very good. And then a bag of M&Ms. And he probably, got, he probably has... Real M&Ms. Uh, all right. Skiing, now sailing. A BC family is back home tonight after the mother of all vacations. For the past seven years, they have been sailing the Pacific Ocean on a 45-foot boat. Paul Johnson has their story and the new challenges they face. 
pulling up alongside the just-returned SV Fluenta. Most of the boats in False Creek never get out of the Salish Sea. So wait till you hear where the Shaw family has been. Seven years, 14 countries, and 37,000 miles. A complete circumnavigation of the Pacific Ocean. Mexico, French Polynesia, New Zealand, and Alaska among their many ports of call. Max and Elizabeth wanted a different kind of family experience. They got it. Because if it's going to be crazy to quit your job and move onto a boat, we might as well be really crazy and let's have a third child as well. While Victoria and Jonathan have lived about half their lives at sea, little Benjamin was born on the trip. The pictures of Elizabeth's diaper system give new meaning to the idea of a multitasking mom. Being a mom with your kids in a small space 24-7 tests your capacity for patience and kindness. Part of the reason they sail back now is to give the older kids an opportunity to go to high school. But a quick look through their many striking pictures shows these two already have an abundance of valuable experience. I've only poked my head into high school once or twice. Victoria was usually the one up top for the morning watch. She remembers this thrilling sight while crossing the doldrums. We steered a little closer towards it. And it's this sperm whale with his nose sticking up and he kind of brought his head up and looked at us and dove back down again. Just erupts. Next stop for the Shaws is Sydney, B.C., where the kids start school in January. And you won't be surprised to learn the housing plan is to keep living on the Fluenta. We started back to Canada two years ago, and so to finally get here was pretty extraordinary. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. Wow. Amazing. How many of us want to do that? <laughs> everybody, everybody thinks, oh, if you just there. have the courage to go. You guys go, tell me what it's like. Okay. And photos. Postcard. Yeah, be cool. <laughs> All right, last word on weather before we go. Uh, rain's going to ease off overnight. Great news. And then some clearing on the way. We've got some sunshine over the next few days, but it is going to be cold. So bundle up. All right, thanks, Yvonne. Thank you for watching. Have a good night. Good night, all.